All right, so it's uh, Holy Week, and we're here, cutting room floor. So much to talk about, um, especially with Good Friday coming up. I think one of the questions that I've often thought about is like, so what does Jesus actually accomplish on the cross? Mm-hmm. And what my experience has been, often there's like, one or two right answers, depending on what church you're in or what culture you're in or where you live in the world, in what season of church history. For sure. Um, And the sort of, uh, the thing I've learned over time is that when you actually get into the New Testament and you get into the scripture as a whole, there's all these different ways that Mm. both theologians throughout history and the authors of the New Testament understand what Jesus accomplishes on the cross. I was... Uh, on a walk earlier this week, and I was sort of thinking about how do we understand this? And I was thinking about sort of like a house with many windows. Mm. And it's like, yeah, 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 you know, we we can poke through a window and you kind of see one aspect, right? Yeah. There's one lens, one window we're given in the New Testament. And then you read Paul in another place or Peter here or the Gospels, and you're like, oh, no, no, wait, there's a different window yeah, yeah. there. So I thought maybe it would be helpful today as kind of peek in some of those windows sure, yeah. and get a sense of like, what does the New Testament actually have to say yeah. about what Jesus accomplishes on Good Friday, on the cross, um, and kind of, I don't know, peek through the window For and sure. kind of see, yeah, see what's totally. there. Yeah, yeah, this would be good. And I think it's helpful just to, to to understand this. Like what you're saying is that, you know, the cross, it's not just, it can't just be reduced to like one aspect or Jesus accomplished one thing. It's a, it's a multifaceted very kind of broad and very deep um, thing that we're talking about here yeah. with Good Friday and the cross. And I think kind of a helpful way to kind of maybe organize some of this because you can go in rabbit holes and all these yeah. and, you know, get lost and, and all that. There are libraries yeah. full of Huge books, books written on. People have dedicated on, their exactly. lives to these things. And, and often we, in fairness, like, well, maybe not in fairness, often we reduce it to a very simple diagram called the yeah. bridge diagram. Yeah. And it's like, Okay, that, that's a that's a one way of articulating, but it's one way. And actually the nuances, the analogies, the metaphors, the understandings in the New Testament are super broad. Yeah, they're super broad. And I think it's helpful to, to be able to look at some of these. And I think the way that I'd like to do it uh, today is to kind of frame it around this the acronym, um, but like the word Easter. Oh. Okay. And so we're in Holy Week. We're going to be approaching Easter. Obviously, Good Friday is before Easter. Yeah. But each of the letters of Easter kind of being like a you know, a tagline or like a holding space for, you know, each of these different ways of looking at the cross. So the first one E uh, for Easter would be example. Okay. And kind of this idea talk is really kind of about how the cross and Jesus's death is sort of a pattern or an example Mm -hmm. for us as his followers. So I think of a couple of key passages when Paul says in Philippians chapter two, that kind of famous Christ hymn, have this mind among Mm -hmm. yourselves that was in yours, that's yours in Christ Jesus, that talking about like being in equality with God, emptying himself, taking on the form of a servant, being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Like there's other texts. Cross becomes, and Jesus' willingness to die on a cross becomes a pattern that we're supposed to sort of model our lives after. Exactly. Yeah. And having this, uh, Michael J. Gorman, a biblical scholar, talks about having a cruciform shaped life or yeah. cruciform shaped pattern where it's about not our own desires or our yeah. own self as number one, but the self-giving love of, of Jesus Good. being displayed on the cross as sort of a pattern for us yeah. in our everyday life. That's great. Right. So that's E, so example. That's e, okay. Yeah. 
The second one, I kind of had to cheat here and use a different, <laughs> a different language to get at the awesome. A. So A is for apocalypse. Now, don't think like end of the world sure, apocalypse. Sure. The apoc- apocalypse in Greek just simply means revelation or yeah, revealing. The revealing. So when we get to revelation, it's the revealing. Of Jesus. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So the cross also reveals something about the character of God. Mm. And what Jesus is doing on the cross, amongst, again, many other things, he is revealing what God is like. He's revealing the Father's glory, justice, wisdom, and power, and revealing God's love Mm. to us and to humanity. So, you know, that key text in Romans 5, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Paul goes on in various other places, too, to talk about this, this concept of when we look at the cross, when we see what Jesus is doing on the cross, we're seeing the God of the Bible, the creator God, revealing his love for us. Um, Paul also talks about the cross revealing a whole bunch of other characteristics or attributes of God, you know, God's glory or God's justice from from Romans chapter 3. Or in 1 Corinthians, in that that opening chapter, Paul talks about how the the cross is foolishness Mm. to those who don't believe, but to us who do believe, it's revealing God's wisdom. That this cross, the, the cross of Christ, is not just some, you know, sorry ending or kind of tragic ending to, you know, a once amazing story, yeah. but it's actually the wisdom of God being revealed that through what I just was talking about, self-sacrificial love, God is at work in yeah. the world and God is doing a whole bunch. Yeah, but it's good. Yeah. So Easter, so you have example, you have apocalypto. Yeah. Uh, so this idea of revealing. Revealing. And those are like, those even overlap a little bit. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So where are we at? So E, A, and then the third one, S. Okay talking here about substitutionary sacrifice. And this, you know, I think, depending on your church background. So is that like a double S? Double S, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Got to cram them in here. So substitutionary sacrifice for this third one S. This is that basic idea where I think probably for most of us is kind of one of the more familiar ways of talking about what Jesus does on the cross. He takes the penalty of our sin, that some people might say it like that, or... He's, he's the substitute for us, the he sacrifice dies in, our, in place. our place, right? A lot of our hymns, a lot of our worship songs yeah. talk about this. You know, in Galatians 3, kind of depending on how you look at it, Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Yeah. Or looking at Isaiah 53, he was pierced for our transgressions, yeah. crushed for our iniquity. So this concept of substitution I think is, you know, one of those really important ways of understanding, Mm -hmm. you know, what Jesus is doing for us on behalf of, of us. That's good. So I think that's, again, really important. Substitution. Substitution. And in in that substitution kind of built into this is this concept also of sacrifice. It's a, it's a sacrifice kind of going back to the old Testament, you know, the, when John sees Jesus, you know, approaching the Jordan river, behold the lamb of God, God, right? So echoing back to the old Testament who takes away the sins of the world. Um, and obviously even Abraham and Isaac, yeah, yeah. Moriah, Moriah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, But yeah, that idea of like the sacrifice prefiguring then what's coming, what's coming in the person of Jesus. Exactly. And really for all these, you know, in the notes here, you can go really in depth. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of biblical passages, a lot of really smart people throughout church history have kind of honed in on some of these, developed them, expanded on them. Um, but we're here just kind of doing a brief kind of cursory overview yeah. of some of these. So E A S now to T okay. and T kind of to put it in a word stands for triumph. Huh. And what this one is, this 
I don't I know. Maybe people haven't heard this. Yeah, one this as is. Much. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally, if I had to pick one that was my favorite, I personally really, really? like this. I, so for a variety of reasons. Yeah. So triumph. Another way, depending on if your church background, you might have heard this talk about other ways, is Christus Victor. Yeah. Which is kind of Latin, right, for the it victory is. of Christ. Yeah. And so a what very, this, very early way of understanding. Exactly. The a lot of the early church fathers. Yeah, the early church. About, this was probably the dominant way of understanding. Yeah. It's called the atonement. The atonement. Uh, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. For me, the first 300 years of church For history, sure. this oh, was yeah. like the this primary was the big one. one. Yeah. And it's the basic idea that on the cross, Jesus is defeating the powers of darkness, mm -hmm. sin, the, the devil, demons, yeah. all of that, that which is antagonistic or yeah. against yeah. God. And in doing so, Jesus, you know, is rightly enthroned yeah. as king of the universe and displays that power and displays that authority as he triumphs over the powers of darkness. So this really has a lot of its sort of origins. And we've talked about this as we've been going through Genesis. Back in Genesis 3.15, that prophecy of the coming mm, snake crusher yeah. who would defeat evil at its source. Good. And as that kind of motif builds throughout the scriptures, you kind of get more and more glimpses of what this kind of messianic king is going to be like. He's going to be one that triumphs over evil. Yeah. And the cross is the place where theologians who kind of hone in on this view of what the cross accomplishes mm. is that place yeah. where Christ triumphs over the yeah. powers of darkness. So, I mean, there's tons of passages you can go to. I think of Colossians 2 talking about that he he put the, he being Jesus, put the powers to shame, if mm. you will, and triumphed over them by yeah, the blood of the cross. And so, again, it's one of those, for me, I appreciate it a lot because it, it speaks to, in a world that's full of darkness, in a world mm. that's full of brokenness, that there's one who has conquered all of these things. Mm. And there's coming a day, Revelation 21, yeah. where there will be no more death, pain, suffering. And so we, we live in this reality of you know, what we see in the world when we see death, when we see suffering, when we yeah. see these grotesque you know, embodiments of evil. We know that Jesus has triumphed over that and yeah. that we live in light of Jesus' death. So we live in light of that until the full consummation exactly, of that yeah. happens at the end of the age. At the age, exactly. Yeah. All right, so we have E-A-S-T. T, T yeah. your favorite. T okay. is triumph. And then the second one, kind of another, it's more of a theological word, expiation. Yeah, and basically that is this, definitely a theological yeah, word. And yeah. this basically, the idea of this is talking about the cleansing from the effects of sin. Hmm. And when we think about the cross, one of the things that theologians talk about is that on the cross, especially as we place our faith in Jesus, mm -hmm. And as we trust in him, the stain of sin, the kind of the, the, the baggage or yeah. kind of the shame of sin, the guilt of sin is washed away. It's good. And so maybe kind of, again, maybe in more kind of contemporary language, it would be this idea of our sins being washed away, the, the shame being dealt with, the guilt being cleansed. It's yeah. the, the language of like white as snow, as some of our yeah. kind of worship songs kind of talk about. Which is important, right? Because often we think about, or at least as the way I was sort of initially trained, like sin or the Jesus, what Jesus accomplished on the cross is sort of making us at one with God, mm. but not necessarily dealing with our life yeah. with God after that moment. Exactly. Yeah. And expiation kind of gets at both the unity and cleansing the effects. Exactly. The yeah. washing, the, the washing. cleaning. It's not just like, you know, I'm stuck in all this sin and muck and goo, but Jesus gives us through the cross a way out. A way out. Yeah. In a way forward to be... Yeah living in this in this world the way God has intended us yeah. to live, free from shame and guilt and kind of the debilitating effects yeah. of sin. That's good. Um, so you have like, even just so far, right? It's like, 
example, provides an example, right? Self-giving love reveals mm-hmm. God substitutes, yeah. triumphs, yeah. cleanses or expiation. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. How, did, what, what, how did you say it? Expiation. Expiates? It was E. Yeah, I have to fit, fit it in the acronym here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So then what's next? So the last one, I'm going to cheat a little bit here is actually going to be two R's to end. Okay. Right? No, no, it's, it's all in English <laughs> with the last two, uh, for, for R to, to end Easter. It was so redemption. Sort of pirates. Yeah. Or Easter. Yeah. So it's redemption <laughs> and reconciliation. We can okay. kind of talk about these maybe yeah, somewhat separately here, but redemption, this again, really goes back to the old Testament with the book mm-hmm. Exodus and how a lot of biblical writers and thinkers and theologians have talked about as humans, we have been kind of in bondage to sin Mm -hmm. and how Christ delivers us and brings us out into freedom, not freedom necessarily to do whatever we want, Mm -hmm. but freedom from the power of sin. And so again, the Exodus motif is, is huge here. Also a slavery motif on the side of like in the first century, I know there was a lot of uh, like traveling bands that would kidnap people. Mm. And there was sort of this idea of, and correct me if I'm wrong, this idea of like, you would redeem someone by paying, paying yeah. to get that person out of their kidnap, their slavery, yeah. their whatever, right? That there's this sense of offering something in order to in free order to, someone. to bring them back and to, yeah. to bring to basically purchase their freedom Correct. in a sense yeah. in that kind of that way for sure. And it's definitely throughout church history, there's been different ways this has been taken. Mm-hmm. Some to maybe some unhelpful ways, some to yeah, more sure. helpful ways. But for sure, the idea of redemption, bringing captives out of slavery yeah. and into freedom, is definitely a motif in a way the biblical writers talk about yeah. the cross. And you start to even see with something like that, like the overlap between the substitution side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, I remember early in church history, there was some overlap between substitutionary versions of atonement and these redemption ideas of, I I think it was origin. Sorry, this is maybe out of, out of uh, turn, but I think origin actually even talked about, it was actually through Jesus offering himself to Satan. Yes. That he conquers, he conquers the powers and yeah. it's so through all redemption. Three, they're merging yeah, they together all here. sort of merge. merge together. Yeah, and that was one of the earlier versions. Well, and I think this is super helpful that you even bring this up. Is that what sometimes we're, we're doing right now? We, it seems like we might be we're like, like isolating isolating them. them, but really they all work together. Yeah, and it's kind of helpful to maybe isolate them to just have them on our radar. Yeah, but to recognize as you're reading through Scripture, you're not going to get oh. Now Paul's talking about the redemption aspect yeah, yeah. of the cross. Well, they sometimes really, it's clear, but it is often clear, yeah. it's very merged. Exactly. Yeah. They, they work together for sure. So that's the the R, but then also there's the R for reconciliation. Yeah, that's good. And this is one that you've talked about quite a bit too, of us being reconciled back to God in, yeah. in right relationship with God. So there's that you know famous passage, passage in 2 Corinthians 5 that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation because Christ has reconciled us yeah. to God. And, you know, I think this is, you know, huge to, to talk about because, you know, Paul talks about also that, you know, it's while we were enemies, Christ died for us. I mentioned that passage. Yeah. So there's like this hostility, there's this enmity, if yeah. you will, um, between God, not, I don't want to frame it like this combative sort of way, but there's relational, there's breakdown. relational breakdown is I think yeah. a better way to put it. And what Christ accomplishes on the cross is this reconciliation yeah. with, with God to be, in relationship with him, that we might live yeah. with him forever. Jesus says in John 15 that this is eternal life, that you may yeah. know the Father, right? Yeah. And so that's the goal of knowing God and being yeah. with God It's good as we continue on. So Yeah, but as you go through these, we start to see, like, you know, I used the metaphor at the beginning of, like, it's like looking in windows of a house. Mm-hmm. You start to see, oh, there's lots of nuance there. Yeah. And I think it's important, actually, as a church and as a body that we recognize that we take first the metaphors, examples, thoughts 
teaching of the New Testament yeah. and allow that to shape our understanding of the cross yeah. rather than just sort of assume because our you know, youth pastor or teacher or whatever book we liked says, oh, this is what it does. It's like, exactly. no, no, actually, when you go to the New Testament, you see there's actually a lot of diversity here. Yeah. And we should allow that diversity to shape all the different ways for sure that we understand Jesus's sacrifice on Good Friday for us and the world. For sure. Yeah. And I think even just uh, thinking about this kind of practically and pastorally is that one way that's been helpful for me, I think Scott McKnight used this analogy at one point, is that he talks about the atonement as being like kind of like different sets of golf clubs. Yeah. And at like certain points, right, yeah. you need a, a driver, you need a putter for like different aspects yeah. or different you know, moments on the golf course. Yeah. And as you kind of read through the letters and then read through the New Testament, there's very often pastoral concerns and things that Paul and Peter are addressing yeah. where, you know, a certain aspect of the cross is pastorally used totally. to guide and help shape the people of God. It's not coincidental that Christus Victor or Triumph was the primary way of viewing the cross when the church was being radically persecuted. persecuted. Yeah. And then as soon as the church ends up having power in Rome with yeah. Constantine, Christus Victor falls out of favor and exactly. there's other ways other of understanding ways of that surface. Yeah. Like that's not coincidental. For sure. Yeah. And I think even just, you know, we don't have to go too far down the rabbit hole here, but just understanding that as you maybe are coming into contact with or hearing about these different, you know, the technical terms like theories of atonement, yeah. that a lot of these... And just atonement at one mint exactly so yeah one with god one with god yeah totally and as we kind of hear about these different things just recognize that throughout church history these theories have kind of developed from scripture mm -hmm. but often at certain cultural moments in time that have you know influenced yeah kind of which one was maybe grabbed onto yeah. and made maybe more prominent at any given point which yeah. isn't necessarily bad yeah it's just kind of recognizing that totally. but what we're trying to do here today is just kind of talk about some of these different ones yeah. see this kind of broad approach to this and see how they're also integrated together yeah. that Christ has accomplished a lot on the cross. Yeah. And maybe so. even just take some time this week as you listen to Cutting Room Floor this week, just like, which which do you resonate with yeah. today? Yeah. Uh, you don't have to say, oh, this is all of them, so I can't like have one have particular significance, but sometimes depending on season of life, mm -hmm. depending on what we're going through, our context is going yeah. through, our people are going through, maybe one speaks profoundly to for us sure. yeah. and that's okay. That's good. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. maybe as the last kind of quick thing here, if you're kind of in that boat there and you're kind of wanting to see, okay, how, how do these different ways of talking about the atonement kind of hit home for me? There's biblical passages for each of these oh, that awesome. maybe you can dwell upon and, and read and that's kind of great. think about and just allow the scriptures, let God speak yeah. to you through the scriptures good. on each of these. So, or yeah. whichever one. Yeah. Don't so. take our word for it. Yeah. Actually go into the text. There's exactly. a lot there. For sure. It's cool. So. Thanks man. Cool.